0: Have you ever wondered how a certain person got their current job? What about this person stood out to the employer? How did they rise above hundreds of other candidates? On this podcast, I aim to find out the exact path professionals in all sorts of fields took to get to where they are today. It's, wow, how'd you get that job? Growing up in rural South Dakota, I was pretty accustomed to the hunting scene. Though I haven't fired a gun in almost 20 years and absolutely would not trust myself handling a gun today, there was a time in my life where I thought hunting was pretty dang cool. I managed to pass a hunting safety course around 7th or 8th grade, and Dad bought me a shotgun as a reward. The opening of the hunting season in South Dakota was always a very exciting time of year. It was mid-October, the weather was getting cooler, football was in high gear, or the World Series was right around the corner, and my dad and his buddies would get together with a case of beer or two and drive the backcountry roads. Uh, me and my friend Dusty would ride in the back end of the pickup and Try to sneak a sip of someone's schnapps they left out in the open. Guns hanging over the side. Yeah, everything was pretty dangerous, no doubt about that. But we were having some fun. You know, as as much fun as it was at the time. You know, it's never really been something I've thought about going back home to take part in each fall since I've been gone. Um, like I said, I just have a bad feeling about me operating a gun with so little recent experience. Um, but if I was to go back someday for a hunt, our family's acres of farmland are jam-packed with pheasants. I mean, I've walked through the fields literally scaring up hundreds of pheasants before. Actually, that's <laughs> that's exactly what I did on a recent visit back. I just kind of was oblivious to the fact that it was hunting season. I was walking through the field and managed to, like, scare up all these pheasants. I'm like, wow, look at that. And then I realized, oh, crap, my brother is out in this field right now hunting. I better get down. I'm not wearing any orange or anything. <laughs> Oops. So yeah, like I was saying, pheasant hunting in South Dakota, a big deal. Um, You know, I once flew back home to visit in October and completely oblivious to the fact that it was hunting season at all. And when I got to the rental counter desk, the guy's like, well, we could give you this Mustang for the weekend, but it's not going to be very good for hunting. Like hunting, huh? I'm not, I'm not here to hunt. And then you look around and everybody's wearing hunting gear. Oh yeah, right. You know, in South Dakota, it's not at all unusual to hear about celebrities or pro athletes renting somebody's land. I mean, basically, at least for the opening weekend of the season, every little small town hotel, lodge, shack, rental house, whatever, in the eastern part of South Dakota is going to be booked up. Now that you hopefully understand a little bit more about the popularity of South Dakota's pheasant hunting season, I'd like to welcome our guest to the show today, who is the owner and operator of a fairly new hunting lodge near White Lake, South Dakota. Casey Gillen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, why don't you go ahead and take just a, a moment to tell uh, the guests out there a little bit about yourself.
1: I'm. My name is Casey Gillen. I'm my husband, Corey, and I live in White Lake, South Dakota, which is right along the interstate, about 30 miles west of Mitchell, or kind of in the central part of South Dakota. Uh, we live out in the country on the property where our Pheasant Hunting Lodge resides. We have four children um, they're all born within five years of each other. So we stay very busy trying to be mom and dad and run to different activities with them. Um, we also are farmers and rangers and do what we can to try and breed cattle and try and get crops in the ground when we're able to when we're not running the Pheasant Lodge.
0: Okay, great. Wow. It, it does sound like you're staying plenty busy then. Um, Most definitely. <laughs> so what would you say is your, your job or career? Are you a, a lodge manager? Is that what you would go by?
1: Yeah, you could call me a manager, I guess. Um, so my husband has a day job working at a John Deere franchise. And he kind of leaves the lodge up to me. He does the farming side of it and makes sure our food plots are ready and we have enough ground to hunt um, and kind of does that part. My day-to-day looks more like the person who talks to all of the customers, responds to the emails, updates the website. Um, So together we own the lodge. He does the back-end work and I do the front-end work.
0: Okay, great. So... Tell us about this lodge. Um, Where did this idea come from?
1: Well, actually, after we had gotten married and we started our family, um, we had three kids at the time. We had bought into the cattle business, and we were renting a feed yard for we had found a farm to put our cattle on. And we knew at that time that we weren't going to permanently be living in town and renting a feed yard and trying to make a go of things, and we knew that we needed to find a piece of land. Um, And he was originally from White Lake. We were living about 30 miles south of here. And we had kind of looked around for different properties or an old farm site that we could look into flipping and making into a home for our family and a place to put our cattle Um, but unfortunately there just wasn't anything in the area now he was born and raised here in white lake so we knew that this was where we wanted to raise our kids and be close to family Um, so this property that we ended up buying has been a hunting lodge for about the last 12 years and it had enough ground that we could put our our cattle on. And it's kind of ironic because when my husband and I first started dating and he'd take me home, every time we'd drive by this property, I would say to him, I want to live there someday. It's a beautiful piece of land. It's got a wraparound porch. That's my dream house. I want to live there. Now, I'm sure that I ever had intentions of running a pheasant lodge. Um, We we both grew up in hunting families, and when we were dating, we would hunt. Once we were married, that kind of slowed down a little bit because we had kids. But it it was a common interest that we both shared together and things that we'd like to do together. And you being born and raised in South Dakota kind of understand that pheasant season is like Christmas. I mean, everybody drops what they're doing. A lot of schools take that pheasant monday off after the opening weekend um, because everybody is out pheasant hunting so it was an interest that we had shared for a while and at the time we were getting ready to have our fourth child um and i was previously a teacher and it was kind of like the line of all right now we're going to have four kids in daycare for at least one year do i keep teaching do i stay home with them and one day i randomly said to to Corey, i said you know, we could we could buy that property, we could put our cattle there, and I could continue to run the pheasant business because then I won't just be staying at home. Um, I have a master's degree in administration for education, and I just feel terrible not using my, my degree that I went to college to use, but this would give me something constructed to do part-time throughout the year, still meet people, still work with people. Um, but just maybe in a little bit different of a a way than what I had originally planned when I had finished that degree. Um, So we ended up looking into the property a little bit and looking into what all it would take to run a pheasant business. And I, I believe since we were both so passionate about pheasant hunting before we decided to buy the business that it really has turned into a fun activity for us more than work. And, and really that's kind of in a nutshell how it all came together.
0: So tell me about this property here. You live on it and then there must be some other structures for the uh, hunters to rent out and stay on the lands?
1: There is. So there a house that was homesteaded about a hundred years ago um, and that sits up close to the road. And then a little bit further back in 1997 a person who was trying to get the lodge started ended up building a newer house Um, And then there is another building that has about a dozen dog kennels for hunting guests to bring their dogs to. And then we actually have two hunting lodges that sit down to the south side of our property here in the yard. And one lodge used to be a Quonset, so it's kind of got that hoop barn shape, and then the inside of it is completely overhauled um, and turned into 21 Beds, I think it's divided up into about seven different bedrooms and a pool. We have a big living area with a pool table and a great nice big TV and we're going to put a bar in there this year um, and a couple bathrooms, obviously. And then the other lodge actually is the gable-shaped roof and 40, 50 years ago they had animals in there and that building has since then been well and they put in a nice big commercial kitchen and then in the dining room for all the guests to eat together um, and we can sleep about 20 people in that room so when the season's actually up and going if we're at capacity we have over 40 guests at one time
0: oh wow are they uh, when you say like 21 people in one room do, do a large group of 21 people all come together or, or is it like three or four here and you kind of mix and match them together
1: That's actually a really great question because when a lot of people book a hunt, they think they have to have a large group that they all have to come with. And we're kind of unique in that sense where we take small groups and put them together with other small groups Um, because when you are pheasant hunting, you need a group of about 14 to 18 people to adequately fill a strip is what we call, we do the block-and-drive style of hunting, Um, and if you don't have enough people in your group, those pheasants will run right beside you and you'll miss them. You won't even know that they're two feet away from you because they're really sneaky. Um, So we always put smaller groups together, or if we have a large group that wants to hunt by themselves and they have enough people to fill those strips, we'll take large groups as well.
0: I assume that pheasants are plentiful out there, right? You never have to worry about the hunters not having anything to hunt?
1: That is correct. We've got plenty of pheasants running around. In fact, I can usually look out my back window right around six, seven o'clock, and I, I have a handful of them in my yard every night. They're literally everywhere.
0: Yeah, South Dakota is certainly known for that. Um, and then I assume the hunters will bring their pheasants back to your lodge and you have a place for them to, uh, you know, do what they want with them, store them or clean them or whatever.
1: Right. So we have full guided hunts um, and our guides always carry their birds in the field and our guides will run their dogs if they don't have dogs. Some people do, some people don't. Um, We do allow people to bring their own dogs. Otherwise, we are a full service lodge. Um, We're fully inclusive except for your transportation. Once you get to us, then we're going to take care of your transportation the rest of the way your license and your ammo. Um, we'll clean the birds, we'll package them, we'll freeze them. We encourage people to bring a cooler or something to put them in um, if they wish to take their birds home with them after they shoot shoot them and, and we'll get them good and frozen and solid before they leave. But we do have somebody who will clean the birds for for them.
0: So does somebody who wants to come and stay here have to demonstrate that they know how to operate a firearm safely?
1: No, most states require you to take like a hunter safety class before you're even eligible to get a license. Now, out-of-state hunters, if they have a hunting license in their state, then they would be able to get one here in South Dakota as well. Um, and really, we don't run into anybody who wants to come and go hunting and and not know how to mm. fire a <laughs> firearm. Yeah,
0: I suppose that's true. <laughs> So I imagine you don't necessarily have any formal education in running a lodge. This is something that you kind of learn as you go, right?
1: Very much so. Um, we were very, very fortunate when we decided to buy this property that the previous owner who had been running it for the last 10 years came up during the hunting season and kind of walked us through the steps of what we would need to do and transition it over to us. And that was not only good for us as new business owners, but it was really good for our clientele to see that we were all working together because we didn't want their experience to change. We wanted it to stay the same or get better. Um, So I do still, once in a while, bounce ideas off of the previous owner, and he's always open and willing to listening or answering any questions he can about anything that may pop up.
0: So for someone out there who thinks like, wow, this sounds like a, a really cool thing, owning and operating a hunting lodge. Um, I'm sure there's some parts of it, like on the back end, there must be something like with insurance or loans and that kind of stuff that this uh, background stuff that's very technical and not so much fun part of the job.
1: Yes, um, there there is always that. Unfortunately, because you're dealing with firearms, the insurance that we carry is very high. Um, so that's, one of our largest expenses. Um, and then just like you had said, you're a commercial business, so you're going through commercial loans. We had to put together a business plan and prove that we were going to be able to make money and make this a go. Um, but it's it's definitely been worth it for us to, to take over the hunting lodge. I think I'm living every man's dream that is a hunter. There, I don't know how many times I've took my kids to the doctor and they'd, they'd say, you know what, that's exactly what I want to do someday and you're living my dream. And I just don't know exactly how I was the one that got my feet into it. I kind of would have expected my husband to be the one but um, to do more of the front-end work as well. Um, but it was one of those things, honestly, Ryan, that just kind of fell into our hands. And I'm not exactly sure that anybody who said, hey, I think I want to run a hunting lodge today, would, would be able to do it unless they were all ready to find a lodge that was for sale that was already up and going. Just because it takes a few years to build up your clientele and to find ground to go and hunt. Um, so there is quite the process that goes into it.
0: Yeah, I've always, th- you know, once I thought to myself, man, if I ever win the lottery, that'd be a really cool thing to do. It'd be like go and build a hunting lodge somewhere back near my my hometown of Carpenter, South Dakota, but I guess you don't necessarily have to win the lottery to do that. You just have to, you know, get a, get that business loan and, and kind of go from there.
1: The biggest part or the biggest obstacle that we have um, is getting our name out and letting people know that, Hey, we are a a pheasant hunting lodge here in South Dakota. We are accepting new clients. We do have room yet this season here in the fall of 2019 um, because there's really no great way to advertise other than social media and word of mouth
0: right do you uh, do you go through and set up profiles on places like TripAdvisor or things like that to get the word out
1: um, we have done some stuff like that um, and those get a little tricky because you'd have to have so many people review their stays in order for you to continue to reach out on on those type of websites. We have gone down to a few different outdoor expos this spring. We went down to Charleston, South Carolina and sat up and visited with people about what all we offer here in South Dakota to go pheasant hunting and we've had more luck doing outdoor shows like that one than we have, you know, running ads in hunting magazines or anything along those lines.
0: Maybe, uh, maybe a podcast will help get the word out.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what we're hoping.
0: Well, we'll see. We'll see. It's, uh, it's worked wonders for some other guests on the show. Um, so what's going on at the lodge like this time of year? We're talking like middle of the summer. There can't be anybody staying there now, right, unless they maybe are fishing or something?
1: Right. No, the lodges are not being occupied right now. This is kind of our time that we like to go in and – we, we're doing a little bit of updating. So this last week, I spent my time painting bedrooms, and then next week, we're actually ripping out carpet and putting new flooring in all of the bedrooms in one of the lodges. Um, once we get another month or so ahead, we'll open up the kitchen, and we'll, we'll use that to start, like, baking all the cookies and the pies and all of the good stuff that we serve that we can make ahead of time and start freezing. Um, and then in August, the grocery shopping starts. And I'm not kidding when I say this. I'll probably make 10 trips to Sioux Falls to go to Costco, to go to Sam's Club, or, or wherever it is that we get our groceries from um, that is sitting on a shelf that we can start stocking the kitchen with now. Um, because we feed you know up to 40 people at a time, plus our staff, so it's right around 50 people is who our cook will cook for at one time, and she cooks three meals a day. So we do go through quite a bit of groceries, and it is a chore and a half trying to get all of the groceries to us.
0: Yeah, it's not like there's any uh, major cities around. That must be a, a huge pain.
1: <laughs> yes, I don't mind it a whole lot because it does you know, get me out of the house when I stay home with the kids the other part of the year. It does give me a chance to like start getting out of the house, start getting things like up and going and in the swing of things a little bit um and the grocery shopping usually starts in september and like i was saying it takes about seven to ten trips to sioux falls before we have our kitchen restock to get us through this the season Mm. of just your shelf products
0: yeah that's definitely one of the things i did not think about when uh, preparing this interview is like, Oh yeah, where does the food come from? It's not all pheasant meat.
1: No. And you know, when we only operate for about two to three months out of the year, um, it doesn't really pay to try and order stuff off of a truck. It's just easier to go and get what we need when we need it and, and then just have it for the year. Um, I, I do get some pretty funny looks when I go to Costco, for example, one of the places we go and I, uh, I'll, I'll fill up a cart and I'll take it up to the front and I'll ask him to hold it. And then I'll do the same thing and I'll check out at Costco, you know, with five, $6,000 worth of groceries. And I'll mm-hmm. have about 10 carts of groceries to load up and pack up as much in, into my suburban as I can.
0: Wow. So. <laughs> have you ever thought about expanding into like deer hunting season or fishing season or anything like that? Maybe in the future.
1: You know, we have talked about it a little bit. Uh um, At this time, I think we're going to keep our primary focus on pheasants just because the ground that we hunt um, and when we walk through it and whatnot, we leave too much scent around to have a good deer hunt. Um, And with pheasant hunting, I can guarantee that whoever hunting with us will see pheasant. So I don't feel bad about taking them pheasant hunting where... I can take somebody deer hunting, and I can't guarantee if a deer is going to walk by them in a stand or not. Right. Um, so it's a lot easier to keep customers happy when you can guarantee what they're doing will be there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, what kind of skills do you think it takes to do your job? What kind of personality traits?
1: You know, from my front end of it, um, I do all of the visiting with customers. So I definitely need to be organized with who I'm talking with and be open to – talking with people from different parts of the United States. Sometimes it's really hard for me being a Midwesterner to talk to some clientele that comes from the Deep South just because their accent is thick. So you really have to be able to focus on your conversation and really listen to what people are talking about. Um, You also have to be very interested in what's going on in other people's lives. All year round, because a lot of our clientele that comes one year will come year after year after year, and they really don't stay clientele. They kind of become more friends or family members to you, and they're you know they're sending me emails or asking for pictures of the kids and wanting to know what's going on in our lives. And I love that part about my job, is being able to talk to them and build up relationships year round. Um, the other thing that you know is going to make you a good lodge owner is. We have four different hunting dogs, and even though they're used two, three months out of the year, they're still part of our family for the full 12 months of the year. So I am constantly working and trying to train our dogs and keep them in shape um, and and do anything I can do to make the dogs be at the top of their game. Um, And that's kind of a year-round duty for me as well. I never imagined Ryan that I would be guiding pheasant hunters, but as a business owner, you do what you are required or need to do, and fill in in the gaps where you need to. Be. I'm running my my dogs out in the field, other days I'm helping in the kitchen cook food, other days I'm you know cleaning the toilets while the guys are out hunting to ensure that they're going to have a nice place to come back to that's clean. Um, and so you really kind of do a little bit of everything. So. I guess one characteristic where I'm going with all of that is you have to be open and willing to do anything and everything. Um, because it is your business, you might be required to do any of the duties that go along with it.
0: And you mentioned some of the, the things about your job that you love, the visiting with customers and all. Is there, any, is there a downside to the job? Is there any particular part of it that's uh, really tricky or something you just don't like about this?
1: It really doesn't even feel like a job because we enjoy doing it so much. If I was to pick a downside, um, when it gets to be a negative 30 for a full week straight and you have your dogs that are sitting in their kennels or our dogs are a family, they come in our house at times and and you know that they just need to get outside and they need to run. It's really, really hard on them to have some of those extreme temperatures, Um, but that would you mean really nice. here's a downfall about my job i i don't mind that part near as much as probably yeah
0: okay well this it, you, you sold me this sounds like a career i would love to have sounds like a great time um uh you know i'll definitely give you an opportunity to uh, get the word out there a little bit if anybody wants to try to uh, contact you and and learn more about your business
1: Great, I appreciate that. We are still here for this fall, um, and we we'll start 2020 bookings come January.
0: Oh, I said, uh, where can your uh, where can people find you online?
1: Online, we have a website. It's called whitelakehuntinglodge.com, dot com, or you can email me at Gillen at WhiteLakeHuntingLodge We also have a Facebook page underneath the White Lake Hunting Lodge.
0: Okay, great. Well, if anybody out there is interested in a a hunting trip, this sounds like a blast. Um, Casey, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Ryan, for taking the time to hear a little bit more about our industry.
0: Well, thanks again to Casey for joining us here on Wow, How'd You Get That Job? Now that you know how to become a hunting lodge owner and operator, what will you do? Will you move to South Dakota and open up your own lodge? Sounds like fun to me. Thanks for listening to Wow, how'd you get that job? I'm Ryan Glancer and you can find me on Twitter at @rcglancer and you can also find this podcast on Twitter at @wowhowpodcast. Thanks for listening.